Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Well, if you got a Bible today, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. And uh, we're not in any kind of a particular sermon series or study today. We kind of get the opportunity today to just open the scripture and say, Lord, what would you say to us? And I'm excited because I believe that I really do have a word today that is relevant to every single person in the building. Uh, that does include you, in case you were wondering. I just think I got a word today that's relevant to every single person because we're talking about today how we handle and how we navigate pain. How do we handle, how do we navigate difficult circumstances and difficult situations? And the reason it's relevant to all of us is because here's the reality. The Bible all but guarantees, not a fun fact, but all but guarantees that we will go through difficulty that we will face hardship. Jesus said, uh, just so you know, in this life, you will suffer tribulation. Uh, I, I love First Peter. I forget the exact reference, but uh, the Bible says in First Peter, why do you think it strange? Why do you think it odd that you're going through the fight? This is just part of the life that we, that we live. The reality is that we live in a broken, fallen world, do we not? We live in a world that's been infected and affected by sin. And although we are part of God's family and we're covered in Christ, it does not mean that we do not feel the weight. We don't feel the effects of that. No, all of us in life, we will go through difficult circumstance and difficult situations. But here's the reality. Although difficulty and pain and hardship is inevitable, responding in a godly and in a mature way is optional. Can I get an amen? That, that even though pain is inevitable, difficulty is inevitable, hardship and circumstance that is not good, it's inevitable. The way we respond is optional. We get a choice in how we respond. I, I think for so many of us, uh, we, we oftentimes we're more informed by culture than we are the word of God. We're more informed by the, the community we live in and the world we live in that is not always following Christ. We're more informed by that than, than God. And so often our response to difficulty, it's, it's very much similar and it mirrors the response of our culture. And, and I know this is a great generalization, but for the most part, what we see in culture is that there's this fight or flight, this knee jerk thing in us that when we go through difficulty, we're looking for how do we get out of this as fast as possible? You ever been there before? You're going through something and you're just like, how, how, do, I, how do I escape? A couple of weeks ago, I was meeting someone for uh, breakfast at a restaurant here, here in Fort Mill. And I was early, they were a little bit late. And so I had like 15, 20 minutes to, to spare. And I walk in the restaurant and it, it was right when it got really cold. And, and you know what people do sometimes when it gets really cold, they like overcompensate. And so they set the temperature in the restaurant to like Hades, you know what I mean? It's like, how can we be as hot as possible? And so I sit down and I get my coffee. I'm like, man, it's, it's warm in here. I'm taking my jacket off. It's rolling my sleeves up. Start drinking the ice water they brought. Like maybe this will cool me down. And finally I go, I got to get out of here. And I, I, did, I gathered all my stuff 
had the, put two menus and my water and my coffee and my jacket. And I went to the outdoor seating area because it was kind of a citrus self situation. All right, I'm good now. I sit down and I go, it's kind of cold out here. The sleeves get rolled back down. The jacket goes back on. I switch from, co- from water to coffee. And, and sure enough, give me five minutes. And I, I gathered everything back up and I went back and sat in the restaurant. And I'm thinking, I need to call this guy and go, we need a different restaurant. We got to get out of this place. This is, this is no good. But I'm laughing at myself because I thought, what a typical response that so many of us have in difficulty and pain as we go, I just got to get out of here. I, I need to get out of this marriage. I, I, I need to leave this company. I need to move out of this city as quick. What, I need to get out of where I am because if I get out, then I won't be affected by this anymore. And what we'll, what we'll see today in scripture is actually one of the most godly responses that we can have is to rather than getting out to choose to get through it. What we will see today in 1 Samuel 24 is that David, he models for us this, this godly mature response that says, no, I'm not trying to get out but I'm trying to get through this. First Samuel uh, chapter 24, verse one, I'm reading today out of the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, uh, not a big deal. All the words will be on the screen, uh, but for the sake of us uh, reading together or following along, you can use the screen if you don't have that version. Uh, I'm gonna read verses one through 12. I know it's kind of a lengthy passage, uh, but I think we can all get through it today on Super Bowl Sunday. First Samuel 24, starting in verse one, here's what it says. Now it happened, When Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of that cave. And the men of David said to him, Oh, David, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him. David's heart convicted him because he'd cut off Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and he went out on his way. And David also arose afterwards and went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked, behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eye have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone even urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Now and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I've not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Verse, verse 12, last verse. Let the Lord judge between you and me. Let the Lord avenge me on you, but if my hand, or but my hand, it shall not be against you. 
Uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of the sermon I want to preach this morning is simply this. Don't get out, get through. Uh, look at your neighbor. It is 945 in the morning. We should be awake by now. Look at your neighbor and just say, don't get out, get through. Come on, just don't, don't, get, just don't get out, get through. I don't know if you know the story of David, and so I'll give you a little bit of context in case you don't. Uh, Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul was chosen by God. Saul was anointed by God. He was the first king of Israel. Yet Saul, uh, he started to walk in the fear of man, not the fear of God. And Saul started make some, uh, making some decisions that ultimately would cause him to be rejected by God. So Saul was chosen by God, Saul was anointed by God, but Saul rejected God, therefore God rejected Saul. Yet, interesting, for a season, though Saul had been rejected by God, Saul was still in a position of power and authority. He was still king. Now, simultaneously, when God had rejected Saul, the Bible says that God went and found himself a man after his own heart. A man named David. King David is how we know him, the same man uh, who as a young boy defeated uh, Goliath. And, and the Bible says that, that, that God, he found David, he chose David, and he anointed David king of Israel. Yet, got to catch this, there's this season where Saul's been rejected by God, yet he's still the king. And simultaneously, David has been chosen by God, anointed by God, and yet he's not the king. I, I love that because it reminds us that there are seasons in life where there's things in our heart. There's things that God's promised us, things that God said to us, things that we know to be true, and yet we're not experiencing them yet. That it is possible to already be someone or something that God has placed in you and yet to have stepped into it. There's often a season of waiting. There's often a season where God is doing something. He's preparing you. And in this season, David, he was serving Saul in many different ways. But David really was with a humble heart. He was serving Saul. And, and David was such a humble, but such an excellent servant in every way. The Bible says that David actually garnered the heart of all Saul's leaders. David garnered the heart of all, of, of all, all the, the nation of Israel. And, and it was widely known, yeah, he's not king, but, he, but he's kind of king already. And the Bible says Saul was so envious. He was so jealous. He was so fearful and insecure. Uh, uh, Saul actually had distressing spirits that came over him. And so Saul began to leverage all of Israel's resources and army to hunt down and kill David. Like, I don't know if you remember this old movie, but, but think like U.S. Marshals. Remember Tommy Lee and uh, Wesley Snipes, and he, he's innocent, but they're, they're, all of Israel's army and resources are diverted to hunt down and kill David. David is on the run for his life, literally. And this passage that we just read, it's, it's told Saul, hey, David is in such and such location. Saul goes, all right, let's, let's go. Gathers 3,000 choice soldiers, and they go down to hunt David. They're, they're coming to kill David, to end his life. And David and his men are hiding in the recess of this cave. And, and it just so happened that Saul comes into the cave to attend to his needs. Now I'll let you fill, fill in the rest and fill in those gaps. This is a PG service. But he's, he's in the, the cave to attend to his needs. And David's men go, oh, this is what you've been talking about, David. You've been encouraging us. You've been reminding us that God's with us, that God's got us. This is what we've been saying. 
God's going to put him in our hand. Remember, it's possible to have really well-intending people around you that are giving you really terrible advice. It's possible to have people that they're very well-intended, and yet the counsel, the advice, it is not in alignment with the word or ways of God. And David, we, 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 we don't know why, but, but David goes and, and David, he, he just cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. How sneaky of a ninja is David, by the way? Like to, to be able to sneak up and cut off a corner of his robe and Saul, Saul, Saul's not even aware and he, he sneaks back into the cave. But the Bible says this, as soon as he did it, David's heart condemned him. David got convicted. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Because here, here's what David knew. that The Bible says God has commanded, you shall not touch the Lord's anointed. He, he might be rejected by me. He might not be walking with me, but he is still the man in a position and in a place of authority. You don't touch people that I put in authority over. You, you, don't, you don't touch them. So David's heart kind of convicts him and he reminds his guys, no, no, God, we're, we're, we're not going to touch the Lord's anointing. He restrains them. Saul leaves and David steps out of the cave and David calls to Saul. Saul, he bows down. I want you to see that today I could have like that ended your life. In, in a, David is a man of war. David is a war hero. He's the Jason born of the day, if you will. He's, he's a legend in Israel. And like that, David could have used his knife to not cut Saul's robe, but to cut Saul's throat. And in a moment, it would have been done. Saul, today, you, you, could, have been, you could have been done today. But I want you to see and I want you to know there's no evil there's no rebellion in my heart and I will not lift my hand against you. I love this in verse 12. We'll come back to it. He says, let the Lord judge between you and me. What's interesting to me about this passage is that we, we know for, from, from, from further passages that the moment Saul dies, we don't know the exact timeline, but the moment Saul dies, almost immediately David becomes king. So think about this. David is in a difficult, to say the least, season of life. David, he has done nothing wrong. David has only served righteously and humbly. He's only been a blessing to Saul and to Israel. And yet David is on the run for his life. David is being hunted, not to be incarcerated, but to be murdered. He's, he, he's in a difficult place. And yet David, he, he comes to a decision point where he could he could end this season, let's say it this way, he could get out of this season and step into a new season. Like that, David could have, with, with one swipe, he could have got out of a situation, of a circumstance, of a season of life that was painful and difficult and mysterious. Why is this happening? Why? But instead, David chose to trust God and to get through rather than to, to get out. Can I propose to you today and encourage you that in, in the midst of difficulty and pain and hardship and seasons where we don't all, always fully understand that the, the, the godly and the mature response often is to, to not get out, but to get through. 
to, to not look for the way of escape, but rather to put your trust in God and to allow God to get you through it and to in it do something in your life that God desires to, to do. Let me give you just three, three thoughts this morning on how we, we, we get through rather than get out. Number one, you can write this down. We have to know that God is doing something. God's doing something. God is doing something. Now, let me just say this. What we believe, and it's pretty crucial that you understand this, is that uh, God does not cause pain. God does not cause difficulty and hardship. God is not like putting stuff in your path just to test you. I was talking to someone recently, and they were telling me a whole slew of bad decisions that they made that brought them to a very difficult circumstance they were in. Like, you know, but I just know God's doing all of this to make me stronger. And I thought, God's not doing any of this. You being an idiot is doing all of this. You, you've made some very sinful, dumb, irrational decisions. This is, this, this is not God. We, we live in a fallen and a broken world, but oftentimes it is our own decisions or the decisions of other people that land us where we are. Yet here's what we know, Romans 8.28 says, that while God does not cause pain, that God is faithful to work all things together for the good of those who love him. So while God did not cause it, God can use it. Can I get an amen? That while God might not be the one who's orchestrating it, that God is faithful to use everything we go through if we will allow him to build and grow and enlarge the character and capacity of our life. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter one, verse two through four. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. Well, why would I be joyful knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, verse four says, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The, the book of James says, when you find yourself in difficulty, count it all joy. Just, just choo choose a perspective that says, you know what? This is not fun. This is not enjoyable. But I'm going to choose a perspective that says, God, you're doing something. I don't know what you're doing, but you are doing something. And if I will allow you, you, you will work in me to the point where James 1.4 says that I'll be perfect or lacking nothing fully complete. Bible says a similar thing in Romans chapter five, verse three through four. Paul had just gotten talking about how we glory and we praise and we worship in the grace of God. Oh, that's easy. That, that, that's easy to worship about. He says, but not only that, we also glory in tribulations. We, we, we also rejoice and worship in tribulation. Knowing this, notice that James and Romans both say knowing. See, for you to choose the right perspective, you got to know something. He says, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Here's what Paul says. Glory in the tribulation, knowing this, that it's producing perseverance. What is that? My ability to, to endure, my ability to, to suffer long, to have long suffering my ability to trust God, my ability to not give up, to not get out, to not throw. It's my ability to persevere, which is producing in me character. God, you're changing me. God, you are, you're, you're chipping away things that don't need to be there. 
You're adding things that do need to be there. You're, you're building my character. I love this. He says, and character produces hope. Well, wh- why does it produce hope? Because here's what we know, that if God is working in my life, if God's building character, if God's building capacity, if God is doing something, it gives me hope that God still has more in front of me. Isn't it so interesting how when we go through difficulty, we, we often can't see the other side. Like, like we just have to recognize one of the advantages that we have in reading the Bible is that we know the end of the story. And so we can read stories like Joseph, where Joseph has this great God dream, which leads him to a pit, being sold into slavery, being put in prison. But we read it like, ah, it's not a big deal though. It's all good because, well, if you just fast forward a couple chapters, you'll see Joseph wins. But Joseph didn't know that. Joseph didn't have the end of the story. Joseph's just in it. And when we're in it, oh, how it can feel like we're never getting out of it. When we're in it, how it can feel like this, this is the rest of my life. This is always, this is never going to change. But Paul says, no, no, change your perspective. Realize that in the midst of it, God is doing something. And if God is doing something, it is proof and evidence he's got more in front of you. What does Jeremiah 29, 11 say? Well, the children of Israel are in slavery, in captivity. He goes, hey, guys, 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 guys. Okay, you're not getting out for 70 years, so just get comfortable, okay? Like, just go buy the house, get married, have the babies. Like, you're, you're here for a minute, okay? But, but just know, I know the thoughts I think towards you. They're good thoughts, not evil. To give you a future and a hope. I, I know you might be in it right now, but there is a future and there's hope that my best days are still in front of me. And what points to that is that God is doing something in me. But, but here's what we have to know, though, that while God is always doing something, it's our choice whether or not we allow him and we cooperate. See, what we got to remember is this, that hardship is inevitable, but growth is optional. You can put that up there, point number two today. That we got to remember that hardship, it is inevitable, but growth is optional. Come on, we all know those people who you might be 35, but you still act like you're 15. Can I get an amen? We, we all know people that, yeah, technically you're, you're 70, but you still act like you're 20. Age doesn't necessarily lead to maturity. We know that, right? Like just because you're getting older doesn't mean you're getting more mature. Just because you keep having birthdays doesn't mean that, that you're actually growing Come on, we, we know this as well, that just because you're going through something doesn't mean you're getting better. I mean, we've, we've all met people before, and, and, and we, we are not th- throwing rocks today, but we've all met people before. They go through hard things, but they don't get better. They just get bitter. They just get cynical. They just get, at the world. Yeah, h- hardship, it, it is inevitable. But growth, maturity, getting better, that's optional. See, the Bible says in James chapter one, verse four, I don't know if you caught this the first time around, but James one, four says, let patience have its perfect work. Oh, that, oh, that's an option. So count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith is producing something. So, so God's, God's in it. God wants to do something, but that's up to me. Let patience 
habits. Oh, so I get to choose. I have an option. I can choose in this season to let God do something. I can choose in this season to let God work in me. I, or, or I can choose not to. The Bible says, let patience have its perfect work so that you may be complete, perfect, lacking nothing. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. No one likes discipline. No one likes that. Don't, don't you tell me you do. I don't care how type A personality you are, you, you lying. No one likes it. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, afterwards, can I just say that there's probably someone here today or maybe someone watching online that you just got to get an afterwards mentality. This is not fun, but afterwards. This is not enjoyable, but afterwards. This feels like hell on, but afterwards. Nevertheless, afterwards, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to everyone because God is so gracious and he loves the world. False. To those who are trained by it. Oh, so this is optional. So everything I'm going through, everything I'm walking through, God's present. God, he, he is faithful. He will show up. God's there. He's doing something. But whether or not I let patience have its perfect work, whether or not I allow God to do something, whether or not I'm actually trained by it is entirely up to me. I think here's something we have to know about God is that God is not like our education system. And, and what I mean by that is like in our education system, like, I don't know this for a fact. I'm making assumptions here, so just go with me if, you, if this is wrong, but I don't think it's wrong. Um, no one's letting a 35-year-old stay in kindergarten. You're not going to any kindergarten class anywhere. That there's like a 35-year-old man sitting there with his lunchbox like, I love this class. First time, oh, I've been here forever. I love it. Like, no, eventually we're going to go, oh, buddy, um, let's find some different classes and a different pathway to help you get out of kindergarten. Can I tell you that that is not God? God will let you sit in kindergarten for the rest of your life. No, man, I, I love you too much. I love you too much to let you go to the next thing. Be, because unless you have the character and the capacity to handle more, more will only crush you. Oh, no, I, no, I love you. I, 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 I do love you just the way you are, but I love you so much. I don't want you to stay the way you are. And, and, and what happens with so many people is because the knee-jerk reaction is to get out. I got to leave. I got to go. I got to get out. This is, sure, find a different marriage. But the problem is you're still going there. And so the problem's still going to be there. C cool. Leave the company. Go. But just remember, you're going with you. And, and it's like being like, you know, I, this kindergarten class is the worst. I'm leaving. And so you go to a different school and God goes, hey, welcome. So glad you came to this new school. All right, come on, buddy. Here's, here's kindergarten. And you can leave. You can run. You can, you can just try to get out of it. But the reality is God will not let you pass go until you have passed the test, till God has done in you what needs to be done. 
See, we got to discern and discover, God, what are you doing right now? This is not fun. I want so bad to just get out. But if I get out, I'm missing the point. If I just look for the path of least resistance, I'm only stalling my own progress. All right, God, help me to discern and discover today. What are you doing in this season? What are you you trying to do in my life right now so that I can let it have its perfect work? I can yield to it. I can cooperate with it. and, And in the middle of that, I can trust you can write this down. Last thought today is that we got to choose to trust God in the middle of it. Just write smack dab in the middle of it. Here's what 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 12 says. It's the concluding verse that we read. David in, uh, in, in, in addressing Saul, he says, let the Lord judge between you and me. In other words, I, I could have gotten out today, but I'm choosing to get through and trust God. I could have ended this today, but instead I'm choosing to trust God. Let the Lord judge between you and me. Let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. You know what I've thought before? What is it to get everything you've ever wanted but to lose all the peace that should come with it? What is it to get everything you've always wanted, but you know you scratched and clawed and manipulated your way there? See, what I love about David's story is the Bible says that when David finally became king, that David knew in his heart, I didn't put myself here, God did. David had peace on his pillow. Why? Oh, because I trusted God. I didn't get out. I, I didn't find a workaround. I, I didn't try to scratch. And, no, no, I, I said, let the Lord judge between you and me. Let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand will not be against you. I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. I will not get out. I'm choosing to trust God and to get through. The scripture says, Hebrews 10, 35 through 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Don't throw away your trust. Don't throw away your faith. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Listen to this. For you have need of endurance so that after You've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Oh, there's that word after again. James 1 says, for afterwards, I'm sorry, uh, Hebrews 12, 11, for afterwards, for afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are interesting because Hebrews says, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance so that after, after, after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Can I encourage you today? Wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, whatever difficult, painful, uncomfortable circumstance you might find yourself in, don't get out. Don't don't look for the path of least resistance and look for, no, rather say, God, I'm getting through this thing. God, I know you're doing something. I don't know what it is, 
God, you're doing something. And I know that while it is inevitable that I go through things like this, God, my growth, my maturity, it is optional. And so I'm choosing today to trust you in the middle. I, I just wonder this, if, if maybe sometimes we focus on the wrong part of Bible stories. I love focusing on the ending, don't you? Like my, my favorite part of the Bible story is like the end of a Marvel movie when it's like, and they win the day. But I think sometimes we, we focus on, on the end so much that we forget to really take time to focus and meditate and study and, and, and think about the middle of the story. We lose sight of Joseph in the pit, in prison, wondering if he'll ever get out. We lose sight of David for years, for years, running and hiding, saying, God, I'm not getting out of this. I'm not taking this into my own hand. But what are you doing? What? We, we lose sight of all these Bible heroes that we, that we know and we love. and we, we lose sight of the middle of the story. Can I just say today, you might be in the middle of it, but God is faithful. God's doing something. And if I will say, God, help me to discern and discover what you're doing. And if I will trust him in the middle, God will bring to completion the good work he started. The Bible says that. Of this, I'm confident. The thing God started, God will bring to completion. But in the middle of it, I need the faith and the trust and the endurance to just keep getting through. Can I pray for you today? God, today I'm praying for every single person under the sound of my voice and even those who are watching online, that God today, wherever they might find themselves, that the desire and the temptation to get out, to leave, to escape, would be overwhelmed with the reality that you are present and you are doing something. That there is hope, there is a future. And I pray that rather than getting out and looking for easy, fast ways of escape, I'll just go there. I'm leaving this, I'm leaving this that we would say, no, God, we're gonna get through. We're, we're, we're gonna discern and discover what you are doing in the middle of it. We're gonna let you do what only you can do. And we are going to trust you in it, knowing that if we do and as we do, you are producing and building character and capacity. You're changing us, you're preparing us for all that you have in front of us. God, I pray today for encouragement that anyone who just needs a breath of fresh air, encouragement to keep moving forward, that Holy Spirit, you would breathe encouragement into their soul, breathe encouragement into their being today, God, that they would have the, 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 the courage, the confidence, the empowerment of your spirit to keep moving forward. And we do thank you today that God, as we go through, as we go through trusting and believing you, that you will, you will do everything that you need to do You'll do all that you promised and we will come out on the other side with a testimony and a, a story of how God, who always has and always will, how God did it for us too, in Jesus' name. Would you stand up on your feet this morning as we close, can we respond to God by just singing this simple worship chorus and responding to him through worship? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. 
If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.